kill the moon, kill the moon. It does everything that a kill the moon can. Um, hello, it's happy times and places. I, Toby Haydock, that tedious bloke of the Doctor Who DVDs, gets a friend to choose a Doctor Who story and nominate their favourite things about it. Then I have to commentate along and guess what those favourite things are. Hello, Toby. And incidentally, uh, hello to all of you at home. Uh, my name is John Deere. I'm a writer on TV and film, and I also uh, co-host Nigel Hill podcast, Birdcast. Uh, thank you very much, Toby, uh, for inviting me on to Happy Times and Places. And by inviting, I mean finally acquiescing to months of repeated begging on my part to be allowed on to do, to do an episode. I'm very grateful. Thank you. The episode I've chosen is um, the Peter Capaldi story from his first series, uh, Kill the Moon. A potentially controversial choice uh, for some. I remember, like many others, I was very excited when Peter Capaldi was first cast as the Doctor and wasn't entirely happy with some of the things that were being done with the character in, the, in, in some of his early episodes. I think it's fine to have the Doctor as, as arrogant or rude. Um, I think we've all enjoyed the scene in The Demons, episode one, where... John Pertwee goes into goes into the um, the pub and uh, alienates uh, the entire the entire population in, in five seconds flat. And it's Joe just by just by being nice uh, who gets the information out of them. Well, the doctor can't can't understand why they won't just give him the information. I think that's vital and uh, important in a, a companion doctor doctor dynamic. But I think they go too far with making with making the twelfth doctor unlikable and uncaring. In, in his early episodes, but this is the story for me uh, where uh, we start to turn that round. And I first, I first saw, um, I first saw things that would that would make me enjoy um, the Twelfth Doctor and, uh, and, and and Peter Capaldi's performance. It'd go on to be to to to, to be to be an excellent Doctor, but this is where it begins uh, for me here as well. So I hope you enjoyed, and I will speak to you later once you watch the episode. Thanks very much. Well, hello from uh, me and for those of you uh, watching on video. Video comes a lot later than the audio. Sorry about that. Uh, but for those on the video, for myself and Bernard, who is feeling a bit sorry for himself because I've just been out for a short amount of time. And when I came back, there was a trail. He was a bit, he, he ran outside and drank from a puddle. I thought, God, have I not left him enough water? Oh, I'd left him plenty of water. Oh, he's going away now that I'm talking about him. Oh, Bernard. Uh, he had been into the treat cupboard that I'd left ajar. Um, I, I know that because I followed a trail of detritus uh, between here and there and uh, was very thirsty because he'd eaten two bags of treats that are normally only for special occasions. So, oh, Bernard, have you gone away because I was talking about you? I do love you. So, anyway... Welcome to uh, this edition of Happy Times and Places. You heard there from John Deere, who gave you Deere John, who's a lovely fellow, and uh, I can thoroughly recommend his Quatermass podcast, Bergcast. Uh, he puts a lot of hard work into it, and he's been doing a lot to preserve uh, and prolong the... Uh, well, the legacy of Nigel Neal, for want of a better uh, 
better descriptor. Um, yeah, he's 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 done a lot of lot of good work. And uh, as I record this, we're doing uh, some events to celebrate the centenary of that great writer. However, what John didn't know when he chose this episode and recorded this, uh, that he's not the only guest uh, that we're going to have choosing five favourite things about this episode because uh, uh, I reached out to somebody else and uh, they, they, they responded and they are. Hello, Toby. This is Peter Harness, writer of Kill the Moon. And thank you very much for inviting me onto your lovely podcast. Uh, so that's interesting and thereby hangs a tale. Uh, Peter did also give me a, a, an extra little um, uh, introduction, I think giving a bit of context and background, but that didn't download. Um, and that's not the only glitch we've got. Um, and I have been hanging on and Peter has tried to help me out, but and it, uh, maybe we'll get to that at the end. Um, so it's not going to be entirely straightforward, this. But anyway, uh, what joy. So we have we have advocacy from a guest and we also have um, you know, a little bit of insight from the writer of this episode. But that was quite a long and stumbly introduction. I will try to be more lucid uh, 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 and indeed lunar as we uh, press. I am watching on BBC iPlayer. So as we press select or play or whatever it is you want to press in three, two, one. Uh, so, I mean, I don't have uh, access to, you know, every single Doctor Who writer uh, who happens to have written an episode that's being done for Happy Times and Places. But I know Peter quite well, um, but I had at this point... Uh, never met him. Uh, he so I, I will I, I will admit some bias. He uh, he was this writer guy who I knew you know did telly and stuff and was quite a big deal. Who was always very complimentary about my Who's Round podcast, uh, and I, I was just absolutely thrilled and flattered by his nice comments. And then of course he was announced as being a writer for Doctor Who, so I was, that was even more amazing. Uh, and he then very kindly invited me to watch it with him when he was going to watch it in a hotel room in London and unfortunately I was gigging I think at the it was a Saturday so I, I was gigging at the comedy store if it hadn't been the comedy store I'd have probably cancelled it but you, uh, you can't not answer the summons of the comedy store um, uh, and so so I didn't and I, I sort of kick myself now because a gig's a gig but you know watching watching a Doctor Who episode go out with the writer wow that would have been amazing um, and I've since got to know Peter and, uh, and he's, you know, he's a, he's a friend and uh, what a nice chap he is. Um, so, you know, full disclosure there, but also, you know, I'm aware that this, this story is one that gets a lot of stick from people, uh, which is going to be interesting to examine. But, you know, I'm not, uh, uh, let, let's bat off any suggestions I'm being biased because Peter is nice to me and I like him. Uh, I actually liked this episode when it went out and I like it now. Uh, and anyway, this is a podcast where I accentuate the positive of everything, including time flight. So uh, I'm, I'm not doing this just because, um, oh yes, because it might be that the bits that Peter didn't manage to record in time for me doing this, because he's a patron uh, of Toby Haydock's Time Travels, which you too can be, um, he will listen to this before it goes on general release. So it might be that he listens to this and goes, oh yeah, I was, I was, I, I could... 
uh, he, he may well i don't know i'm not going to make promises on his sorry your behalf peter but uh, we were we were trying to get this uh, sorted because he did actually send me the two missing uh, bits um over christmas but it was over christmas and i didn't download them and they were on a temporary thing and well uh, anyway i haven't actually spoken about the episode do you think i'm not special that is that is that is very clever writing because I, I, I do find it in a I think I think certainly one of the hardest things I had as a kid was feeling sort of inconsequential and it was very much ground into us that you know you didn't get ideas above your station and all of that sort of thing which was very very unhealthy my grandmother was a Methodist and the idea uh, and, and, and a very very decent woman but the one thing that she you know gave very short shrift was the idea that you might get ideas above your station um and i th and i think it, it, it that that really hold, holds people back or or makes people feel awkward about you know trying to push themselves or or do things and and but but now i find that i think i oh, the bennett oscillator that's doctor who reference um uh i mean this is doctor who but you know what i mean that's an earlier <laughs> earlier doctor who reference um uh, Ark in Space, isn't it? And it's a reference to Rodney Bennett, the director. Um, but I, I, I think this generation of parents who who suffered from that, you know, idea of, you know, not not getting too big for your boots, have have now instilled it into kids of my kids' generation that it's all right to think that you're special. Now, grumpy old me kind of goes, yeah, but you're not that special or or you know perhaps thinking you're special when you don't even know how to make a cup of coffee uh, means you need to wind your neck in a little bit so uh, it's 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 funny how we sort of kick back about against whatever the norm is um uh wonderful gimlet eyed uh uh hermione norris who i've always liked as an actress since i first saw her in an episode of drop the dead donkey um, and then I saw her on stage with Michael Sheen and Helen McCrory and Ian Poulsen Davis in Charlie's Aunt at the Royal Exchange. And then she was in Look Back in Anger with Michael Sheen and Claire Skinner. It was Claire Skinner. Yeah, not Helen McCrory. Helen McCrory, different connection that you don't need to know. Anyway, uh, I like these. <laughs> I love this. Uh, way that the doctor introduces himself i think that's really witty and really funny and he's being very very doctorish uh and she is is being exactly what you want as the sort of foil to him hermione norris's character of person who doesn't quite know how to take the doctor and yet somehow will sense that there's an inherent need to trust him um you know the doctor the doctor has to work in two different ways oh she's very good isn't she what's the matter with the moon see we're straight into the story um let's <laughs> put on weight um so and now i i have another sort of in here as well um, but let's well let's let's maybe get to that later she has flanked hermione norris by two mighty actors tony osoba who has already been in doctor who in Dragonfire and destiny of the daleks and by phil nice who had never been in doctor who but could have had, probably had plenty of opportunities he was in loads of stuff in the 80s uh, and i hadn't seen him for a while it was lovely to see him pop up with this then he pops up in torchwood as well 
Um, and I was very pleased because when the Radio Times listed the episodes when it did a whole big preview of this season, it sort of did, you know, guest stars um, and, and it chose the sort of b the big names. to. And But the guest stars for this were listed as Hermione Norris and Tony Asoba. So I was very pleased that Asoba, because often you see, you know, actors from, you know, your, the, the olden days, as it were, who were, you know, a big deal then uh, come back and not not do so much as it turns out Tony Osoba doesn't do so much but at least somebody in the Radio Times thought he was worth mentioning and that's that's quite nice if you're an actor as well that, uh, although I'm not sure Tony would have been that bothered because I, I know that when I interviewed him for Who's Round which was before this there are a few people I Who's Rounded who then went back into the series um uh, I sort of said, oh, I used to sort of, you know, fantasy cast Doctor Who stories when I wrote them as a kid, and I'd always cast you, and I thought he might go, oh, that's very, very lovely, and, and he wasn't remotely bothered at all. And I'm sure Peter did, gave an interview with Doctor Who magazine where he'd sort of cornered Tony and said, and I watched you in uh, Destiny of the Daleks, and uh, and Tony was equally nonplussed. He's a very nice guy, but uh, 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 his way of dealing with praise was not to be as sort of effusive or sort of do the mock humility thing that a lot of other actors do. He just sort of went, oh, okay. <laughs> um, and this is nice casting, of course. Phil, Phil, nice casting, Phil Nice. But he has a wonderful sort of, he's a great, He's he tends to sort of pop up in sort of sketch shows and things like that, Phil Nice. He's one of those, it's like, he's sort of like a bit like Robin Driscoll and people like that who were, who were sort of comedy comedy support player turns and he's got that sort of fairly hapless thing about him which is which makes him good casting for, for this but he ends up only with about one line or two lines doesn't he and um and yeah so it's got and i love i love all of this i love the aliens thing you know the this makes doctor who feel very grown up to me but and and sort of modern but also it has the feel of how I imagined the Trout and Base Under Siege stories were in my head until I saw them and realised that they weren't as dark and as cobwebby or, or, or as shadowy um, as I'd imagined, or as industrial even. Pardon me. Um, but so so this this has a real feel of how I kind of imagined Doctor Who to be as a kid, uh, and. Uh, I, I love the you know yeah the darkness and the cobwebs, um, and and yeah but it's also it's a bit it's a bit like aliens as well but you know n no problem with that because I remember watching aliens and going oh this is kind of what I thought Doctor Who would be like, um, and I remember being really on edge here because as soon as Tony Asoba pulls away from him, goes oh I hope he doesn't get killed off really quickly and of course he does and funny enough I I'd I'd been speaking to I'd. I'd had an occasion to talk to Stephen Moffat, uh, and I and and well, very interesting. And 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 I'd I'd said to him, I get really annoyed when Doctor Who magazine always chooses, you know, the the the, the polls always choose the season finale uh, as you know that they always win just because they're season finale. And for example, you know, your episodes under RTD, I thought they deserved a you know chance to top the polls as well. And he said, oh well, this year my season finale is not going to top the polls. Um, Peter Harness's episode kill the moon will so uh, Stephen Moffat thought that that this was going to be the most popular episode of the season interestingly enough uh, and I said oh I'm looking forward to that one because uh, Tony Asoba's in it 
uh, and and Stephen Moffat went, yeah, not for very long or not not much. And I thought and, and I thought that that's really interesting. That's that's very different. That shows a big dif- difference between say him and Russell T Davis because I think Russell T Davis he would have gone, oh yes, lovely Tony Asoba, oh he's marvelous. We were so pleased to have him on board. But Stephen Moffat is much more focused on sort of plot and on story and uh, uh, and and is and is not that sentimental about you know. Um, character actors popping up from the past whereas that's sort of meat and drink to Russell T Davis and I say no one is better than the other I just thought that was a very in- I was uh, I thought the, re- the, the the reaction that I got from one was very different from the reaction I'd have got from the other um, I, so I love this this centre th- I think they've got into the story very very quickly They're, Hermione Norris has this wonderful doleful countenance that you know she's on a kind of suicide mission and that's you know that's that's sort of very much uh, in evidence and that gives you sort of grimness and bravery and I like all of that I think the lighting uh, uh, and well and the, the flashing on and off light is uh, is rather marvellous and beautiful um, and you know just really helps with this this kind of these kind of stories come on then Bernard come on up good boy oh Bernard's come back to watch it uh, good lad I think he's got a poorly tummy so um yeah, so I think veteran Doctor Who watchers would know that Phil Nice is probably not not going to make it back. I I think I would have liked these two characters to have lasted a little bit longer. Um, I remember reading on a... Well, I'll say it now because I may forget what I... I remember after Tony Asobra had been killed off, you, you know, um, Hermione Norris has the, has the line saying, oh, you know, I... He was a mentor to me. I knew him, blah, 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 blah. And somebody on a forum saying, it would have been nice if we'd established that before he died because then we'd have felt the loss as it happened more than as a sort of note in retrospect. And I thought, and, and that hadn't occurred to me at the time. I'd just been, because I watched through the lens of going, oh, I wish that actor had had more more lines. I have empathy with the, with the thespian. Um, especially one I think deserves to be accorded respect because of their, you know, hefty past CV. Um because Tony Sober was a very, very recognisable face uh, in the in the eighties and nineties. I mean, he was in he was in everything regular in porridge. He was in um, he has. Uh, I talked about this uh, to him when when I did the Who's round with him. He uh, you know his credit in an episode of The Professionals, and it's a big part. And he's quite a sort of stroppy uh, character. But his his character is called Handsome Negro, uh, which just goes to show. What a sobering and sometimes alarming uh, experience watching the professionals can be. See, this is great. See, this is great. And I can see why Stephen Moffat was, you know, thinking that this would absolutely be the sort of thing that a sort of traditional Doctor Who fan would love. Spider monsters on the moon, in the darkness, uh, picking off characters one by one. Which is, again, another reason I think I'd have liked a bit of a, a gap, a bit of space between Phil Nice getting chomped and, uh, and Tony Asoba, which happens very shortly. And maybe a couple of, couple of extra pieces of cannon fodder. Because um, that, that, to me, to put that in a story and I'm perfectly happy. You know, the Poseidon adventure, anything. A, a group of people who've all got a character and you work out who you like and you work out who you don't like and gradually they get picked off one by one. I... You, you know, and maybe throw in a little bit of a parallel to something that's going on in the world today. Uh, oh, see, there we go. That's the end. And that's, it's very well directed, this. Um, uh, and and that's, that's really horrible. 
Um, uh, oh, and yeah, and of course she gets. Uh, she, she's immediately imperiled and and floating as well. So there's loads of stuff going on here, and it's very very well done. It's funny. I, you know, I have to be honest. I had totally forgotten about Courtney. Uh, isn't that interesting? Because um, she's a sort of semi-regular, isn't she? She's in a handful of bits and bobs. Um, that's great. The uh, 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 the the uh, the gravity stuff, uh, and of course she gets to she squirts it, doesn't she? And that's brilliant because and and pre precocious is the precocious in the proper sense of the word. Kids, um, you know, kids who who show themselves to be capable and to earn their place in the story by being special although maybe the messages don't underestimate any kids you know good all that all that totally by but and is good but as an as an adult viewer a a, a kid who is self-possessed and capable is whether you like it or not does run the risk of being really really annoying because we're adults and you know even if my son is talking absolute sense to me about something that he can do that I can't, I still find that annoying because I'm old and they're young. And the only thing I've got over young people is that I know more than they do, which is, 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 is actually turns up not to be true. So yeah, he was my teacher. He taught me how to fly, both given the sack on the same day. So um, yeah, I, I did, I, I, as I say, that hadn't occurred to me that, that that information would have been nice to know beforehand because we didn't really get to know Duke, um, and and you know I I was only really attached to him because because he was an actor who whom I liked, uh, but I I do believe that both of those characters had a bit more to do in the original script and and unfortunately it's the uh, it's the way that these things go if if you know if a character doesn't make it to the end it's more likely that they'll lose lose a lot of their stuff you know in the course of uh rewrites and edits and all sorts of things what are you 35 that is see i think there were missteps with the capaldi doctor being quite so spiky uh and uncaring but i i i think i think what the moffat era has uh with the character of the doctor matt smith's a bit like this in the in you know things like the lodger as well i think that the sort of detached alienness that they managed to make very funny is is a really good quality of the of of the Moffat era. So uh, Matt Smith spitting out his wine in uh, in the lodger I adore. What are you thirty five? I think is an absolutely terrific line. <laughs> um, and of course the central mystery of this is what has happened to the moon. Is is what causes? And I feel for the episode and i feel for peter who by the way is an extremely nice fellow uh, and is a very very gifted writer um but and this was his idea for the story that the moon's an egg but now quite often i see um you know that being used as a byword for you know silly ideas you shouldn't have in doctor who now i'm not a scientist so it didn't remotely remotely bother me um but i have friends who've been doctor who fans for life who've accepted yeti on the london underground who've accepted uh, a homicidal bertie bassett uh who've accepted uh thesaurus gobbling uh space dynasty bitch uh talking to a giant brain 
on a on a plywood set. Uh, this is this is nicely done. Um, that's nicely done. That's very nicely done. Um, and she's very good. Jenna Coleman's very good. They're, they're, I mean, the acting is the acting is top notch. Um, uh, yeah, my friends who accepted all of those things in Doc Two, particularly those of a, an actual scientific bent, are like, but the moon's not an egg. You you could have Yeti in the underground. You could have a licorice all sort maniac. You could have you know space space Omara, uh, but the moon is not an egg. Um, and and I sort of go, but it, it but in this it is, <laughs> uh, and I don't even object to the because of course then you go, but if it if it hatches, we can't we can't. We can't destroy the moon. That would be a thing too far if you have to set up for the rest of Doctor Who. Uh, that uh, that there's no moon. And of course it lays another moon. But I sort of, uh, the way I rationalised that and people, people said, oh, but it's the same size. How can it be the same size? Well, I just sort of rationalised it that it sort of come out gelatinous. That's how it sort of fitted out and was smaller and, and sort of expanded and hardened on the outside on contact with the with the sky you can you can rise I, I was fine i was fine with that i th but but equally i you know i i respect my friends and 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 i i guess i'm just I, i'm just glad i'm 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 not moved to distraction by uh that that one seems to me to be the particularly because i because even if i accept that this is a story that really divides people because the moon's not an egg all of this stuff is absolutely fantastic. Um, you know, spider creatures, uh, astronauts getting gobbled up, uh, this this shooting on the... I mean, the moon looks absolutely terrific. There's there's loads of terrific lines in it. We've got a good guest star in... in uh, it's amniotic fluid. And I love this piece, the, the Peter Capaldi piece of music. You know, the doctor, you know, the... The, the 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 triumphantly stroppy doctor you know speechifying um and and these brilliance that sort of leap of faith that's so doctor who -y. see there's so many and i and i think i think i think that's one of the things i feel slightly guilty about as a doctor who fan is because of this one sort of divisive element of this story that the moon's not an egg in real life it it means that that that, that people have overlooked i think what else what else it has to offer and, and the things about it that made Stephen moffat say you know i think this is going to be the one that people are going to love um my granny used to put things on tumblr so you can have such fun with uh you know that's the that's the equivalent of going i didn't know the beatles played classical music um but the, yeah because they filmed they filmed this abroad didn't they and oh dear that's the end of uh that's the end of phil nice yeah but yeah he he ends up in the first episode of torchwood miracle day um but uh and they've had good use out of these spacesuits haven't they in uh oh dear oh i i had totally forgotten about that so again you know that that we're we're however many minutes we are in and the uh, you know that it's 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 very 
very well structured this script because you know that bit of seismic disturbance which is explained within the plot has lost us our spaceship home um <laughs> and that's a nice the 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 I gave a tenor lady for Secret Santa, but that's that's you know the 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 clash of the mundane. I can't call the secretary because she hates me, and we're doing it from a base on the moon. Uh, <laughs> uh, and you can't put pictures of me online again. And that's nice as well. This it's very witty. Um, I, I'm not. How do we feel? I'm. Not, I don't know how I feel about. I. I don't think I was over the moon. Ah, ha, 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 about the sort of anchoring of of the Doctor's travels with with Coal Hill School. I. That. That's. Uh, and I know they have. They. They sort of break that now. And 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 I guess they wanted. I don't know. I. I. I, I it's. It's something very much of the modern show. But I suppose they did it with Sarah Jane, didn't they? Is that she was sort of based on Earth, but the doc and the doctor had to keep persuading her to go with him. Uh, but I think m m I was brought up on Doctor Who that when you're a companion of Doctor Who, it's basically because you've gone into time and space and you can't get home. And then eventually, when you do get home, you 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 leave and go home. That sort of that going going back and forth by by sort of choice. I don't know. It's, it seems less of a wild adventure there because then you go and sleep in your own bed well uh, yeah i don't know but that's just a personal preference i don't think I, I think there are storytelling advantages to having um you know to having it as it is here and particularly in the way that they sort of rent this this relationship asunder and especially you know this great argument that they have at the end of this episode um i and i love his delivery that I just talked over of when he says the moon's an egg and the look on his face. He's such a good actor. And I think, and there's something in that performance that's almost daring him and us to go, this is absolutely me mental. Uh, I, 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 I think it's, I think it's a pitch perfect delivery of that batshit crazy concept that kind of makes you go. Yeah. So, it it knows it's 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 asking us to believe something quite extraordinary but if there's any program that can ask you to go yeah come on we have shop window dummies come to life you know uh we have plastic daffodils that suffocate you you know we have a, a possible scenario where the moon's an egg and the moon does look like an egg why not uh, and that's a beautiful. I love that visual as well, um, of the of the sort of dragon, uh, you know, the dragon inside the egg, and that's a lovely hologram effect that they have. Um, and this is very interesting because this is very of the time, isn't it? That that the idea um, that they that they open the choice up to to the. Uh, to the general public now interestingly at the time i'm sorry interesting is not what i am when i say interesting a lot um uh that you know that the thing that this communicated to me when the episode was broadcast was with that this was very much echoing 
the idea of t television programs that entrusted the public with making a decision that then uh you know led, led to the idea that referenda were the way of doing politics and and you know the referendum on brexit which caused a great schism in this in this country and in this society and continues to have that argument between um you know people that it's how, how do you put this i had the conversation with my son who who was sort of saying you know you shouldn't put things to the general public because people aren't well informed and they don't know things and i was like but that's that's a really elitist view and if you're saying that what you're saying is well I should be making the decisions because I read the right newspapers. And that is not as liberal a view as you might think it is, son. Now, I am, you know, I was a, I was a, a, a Remainer and I'm as sort of typically sort of liberal lefty as you would think. But I'm, I'm also acutely aware that in the culture war that is raging, uh, people of my political persuasion do not necessarily come across well when they say things like oh well the referendum results was essentially wrong because all the people that voted a different way from me are uh, uh you know were mistaken at best or are stupid at worst and you go well hang on, hang on. but then you go but that's why we don't have referendums on or referenda on everything because are the general public and i would include myself in this clued up enough in the mechanics and the realities to make that decision or is that why we have you know um the political system where we do where where it's people's jobs to be in all of that to make the best decisions uh on behalf of everybody else and uh this what's what what i what i thought you know this tackled very interestingly was that idea of going well we'll um and, you know, it's slightly cheated at the beginning because you've got that pre-credits where they're talking about an innocent life and you think, oh, are they talking about Courtney? You know, that's a nice little misdirect because you have that pre-credits with, with uh, 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 Jenna Coleman and, uh, uh, and Courtney uh, and uh, Clara, Clara and Courtney got clara's name then that's terrible i can tell you the name of an extra in a 1960s story and i forgot clara's name because i'm getting very old uh i've got spiders and cobwebs in my head um and 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 you know uh, yes this is I, i'm remembering now it's not just the moon in the egg that's controversial is it of course it's the doctor going away and going well i'm going to leave you to it uh so he leaves them to it what a brat she, she's very good she's very t a good terse and earthy character uh hermione norris and these these spider special effects i think are absolutely terrific um and i'm watching it on a big screen it looks absolutely lovely um uh but this so this idea that the doctor defers to us to say humanity has to make its own decision but then uh but then they do the X Factor, don't they? They do the, right, everybody, call in, turn your lights on, turn your lights off, whatever. 
Um, but then they ignore the result. And you go, uh, and so I was, I was much more sort of drawn to that element of the story. And I thought that was very bold, but it is. Is it the liberal elite going, is, is, is Clara basically some uh, uh, guardian reading Islington dweller going, well, yes, they've decided, but they're completely wrong. Uh, and, and is the writer on her side? You know, I, I, I think I think it's, uh, you know, I think I think that opens up some nice, interesting questions that I, I didn't really consider the whole um uh you know w whether it's whether it's pro choice or or not maybe that's just because i'm an awful man uh and i and i didn't think about uh the idea of uh i was talking to somebody about it the other day and they gave me a reading of it that made me go oh i hadn't considered it being like that at all um but now i kind of see where you're coming from um, so, but that's what I think makes, because again, I think sometimes now when a story posits different ideas, we're very keen to go, oh, the writer thinks that and therefore they're brilliant or they're awful. But of course the best writing throws those things in there and makes you think about them. Uh, and, and just cause a writer makes a character do something that doesn't necessarily mean that's the, what the writer would do. It's what makes it most dramatic or most interesting. And I think a story that does all of those things is, is very valuable um, and very stimulating. Uh, and it's interesting, isn't it, that the, that the man, uh, Doctor Who, goes away and, and leaves the three, the three women to decide what to do with the... Uh, you know, with the with the baby in the egg. Yeah, <laughs> that's a nice, that's nice as well. <laughs> that's a brilliant riposte to the kind of going. Well, you know, no, you know, I, I, I'm not your teacher. I'm your friend. No, I'm going to call you. I'm going to call you Miss. <laughs> I like that. Uh, oh, I'd, oh, I'd forgotten about. It. I can tell by your haircut. That's very good. <laughs> Lo lots of nice little jokes in here. I'd forgotten about ground control. Um, so I'm just trying to remember what my what my friends reading. It may have even been one of my kids. Anyway, um, so yeah. So here's the moral dilemma. Do do, do, yes. So that's the dilemma. If if we let it, if we let it hatch, um, but of course they let it hatch and it's absolutely fine. So I don't. Oh yeah, and it's everyone switching the lights on and off, isn't it? Um, but yeah, she she she. Uh, she she totally ignores the results of the referendum, <laughs> and uh, and lets the creature live anyway. Um, and the creature lives, the creature hatches, uh, and there are no bad consequences. Now somebody also said, well, you know, if that happened to the moon, um, you know, tides would do this and that would do that. Well, you know, if the TARDIS dragged six planets back as it does in uh, in uh, 
journey's end, you know, all sorts of terrible things would happen. But for that visual and for that moment of triumph and for that conclusion of that great story, you go, well, yeah, I know. But actually, you know, on, on most, you know, most stories, everybody's, you know, lungs would collapse or, you know, they wouldn't be able to breathe or the planet they land on would be uninhabitable and they'd burn to a crisp. You know, you, I think you either you either go for it or you don't. But by the same token, yes, I understand that you, you, you want the story to at least make some efforts to to be plausible. Um, but I think this is done with, you know, with a lot of um, sincerity and um, thoughtfulness. I think it's quite, you know, it's quite a philosophical um, story. I just... I, I can also understand why people are a bit cross that the Doctor vanishes. Um, but isn't that the Doctor in it enabling, trusting, you know, trusting? He's, he, he does it quite harshly, but he's, he's trusting them to make the right decision. You know, this is the same Doctor that, you know, threw Ace into the into the to the mire to see if she would, you know, learn for herself. Um you know, there's an ed, you know, it's it's the Rethian educational doctor, even though he's you know, his his methodology is not touchy feely. Um. Oh, I, I love this piece of music. Uh, I, and you know, you really thought they were going to do it. I th you know, I thought I th I, th I think the misdirects and the you know that the the script really paints everybody into a corner um that the idea of a noble death as well is very interesting she's got her eye on history um but i ah uh, and i think this i love this look at that that's an absolutely fantastic uh, effect and i remember watching this go but, but how hang on but there's a moon how do we get back for the, you really don't know where the story is going to take you and i love this visual of them on the beach And I love that special effect. I think that's absolutely gorgeous, beautifully shot. Um, it's just a harmless dragon. Yeah. <laughs> so, is that is that is that the thrust of this? Basically, uh, ignore democracy. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Now I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I think that's interesting. But you know, Peter's a—I know Peter is a democratic kind of guy, but um, I love this bit. I love because th there's a real power and pressure. Look and the way that he does that, uh, and this—this this, I love this galloping piece of music, um, and you know, this—this this is the sort of stuff that you hire an actor like Capaldi for. He's got such sort of Shakespearean depth um, and you can really trust him to do that and I think this stuff will age really really well you know he's he's got the and this is where having an older doctor helps well uh, although T Tom Baker's not that old when he's the doctor but it's that gravitas as well uh, and he's got a brilliant face oh do you know what I'm missing uh Peter Capaldi. I think I need to watch a lot of Peter Capaldi again because he's such a fine actor. Um, and I and I was 
slightly nonplussed, I, I think, by some of the decisions that were made um, uh, uh, when his doctor launched. I remember being quite surprised by some of the things that happened. Um, but that's not to take away from, from him as an absolutely brilliant actor. Uh, and here we go. It laid a new egg. Now, you see, I... I, and I can see the sort of it, it sort of bubble, bob, you know, the, the 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 surface bobbling. Yeah, I I see it sort of coming out as quite sort of soft and pliable, and it's you know hardening on the outside, and 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 you know having having expanded as it popped out. But I'm aware that that's me being very generous to it. But uh, but I did I didn't feel I was having to do. Uh, mental gymnastics in order to to feel that that was a thing uh and i like i like lundvik i i, I like her um dynamic with the doctor and i think hermione norris is uh laudably um you know terse and grounded uh and 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 principled. Uh, it's, it's a really nice performance that I think that I think really helps with the the dynamic in the episode. And this is great because he knows there's something going on here, but he doesn't know as much as he thinks he does. And she is absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah, yeah. I find I find this this sort of stuff really pushes my buttons. Two really good actors, um, and. Yeah, smash you so hard to regenerate. It's really, and we don't, we haven't really had much like this in Doctor Who. The, uh, and Ace and the Doctor have that great showdown in in uh, Curse of Fenric. You know when he when she gets really cross with him. Um, uh, but but you know he's. Yeah, the, I I. He's he's so arrogant here, um, yeah. And 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 you're and and you're totally with her. She's totally, um, you know. She's you can only take the sort of alien glibness for so long. Uh, and and you know that uh, that's the danger that the Doctor runs with 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 having such a thirst for adventure. You you get glib and blasé about some terrible things, and you and you, and yeah, and 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 he thinks he's so bloody smart. The idea that he's he's sort of patronising us uh, is is I think really interesting, and it's a really interesting comment on on the character. Uh, and she's so good and so um, such a good identification figure that you're that you're kind of with her. Uh, and she does this so well. I think this is, you know. Uh, yeah, let's take the stabilizers off my bike. Oh yes. Oh. Yeah, it's this is this is this is you know good drama. This is good stuff. Uh, and it's it's a it's a it's a it's a wake up call to him. Um, yeah, I think I think this scene is really, really good. To the extent I haven't really said anything coherent about it, because I think it just speaks for itself. R really nicely written, 
you know you 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 what's good about good drama is that you actually understand where both of them are coming from um you you can see both people's point of view and they both act it so well and it's therefore desperately sad because they're both right about something that is true and therefore a bit heartbreaking um yeah and she's she's so good isn't she uh, and i don't think i'd seen her in it because i hadn't didn't watch emmerdale so i didn't i didn't really know her at all uh oh danny pink i like danny pink i wish he hadn't ended up as a what, run run over crossing the road and then ends up as a cyberman uh after we found out he's killed a child yeah there's some there's some stuff in this series that as as i remind myself of what happened in it i go oh yeah i'd forgotten about those bits and i really like samuel anderson i think he's got a a, a really sort of soft-eyed charisma um uh yeah and and this is this is the advantage because obviously you know we've, we've we've dispensed with the moon story a while ago now but this is and this is the advantage of having this space in coal hill school is that you can sort of just allow a little more space for 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 character development different dynamics you know him him coming in at the end of this episode you know helps her to you know assimilate what she's done um but she's still she's still got an eye on uh i had a really bad day that's nice that's nice and economical and we discover what that is later um and i think you're, you're sort of half expecting the doctor to come back because of the way that we know that doctor who works you're sort of half expecting him to come back and them to go oh sorry but instead no she does that very real thing as she comes home and she opens a bottle of wine uh and there's the moon and isn't the, and the moon's a beautiful thing isn't it it's uh and yeah so you go oh, okay the doctor's not come back um so whilst the episode is over that you know it's going to reverberate for the characters and she's barely in it is she in it at all next week no i don't think she is um fantastic cast and jamie matheson who wrote uh mummy on the orient express i i i've known for years um uh, but that's another story we can you can have too many bits of blooming uh name dropping uh i don't know how uh, how interesting i was on that i'm it's interesting i think i was working out um a lot of my feelings and i'm still not sure where i am on the when i was talking to whoever i was talking to about um you know whether it's whether it's pro-choice or not um whoever it was spoke to me much more eloquently about that aspect of the story so i think i've come up short there but as i say it wasn't something that particularly hit me i, I was hit much more by the overturning a referendum side of things because perhaps that was more present in my mind at the time um but i you know i think that that is all stuff that is very uh interesting which means i think it is a much more interesting and deliberately thought-provoking story than the oh it's the one where the moon's an egg um sort of dismissiveness sometimes comes so i have to choose five things john has chosen five things 
Peter has also chosen five things, but the fourth one didn't download. And then he, and I told him this, and we tried again, and it didn't work again. So then over Christmas, he re-recorded the fourth thing and sent it to me in an email. And I just thought it was there on the email, and it was Christmas. So then when I went to download it, it was a few weeks later, and it wasn't there on the email. It was on a link to a temporary housing somewhere on the internet and by the very way that I'm describing this you will see that I don't really know what I'm doing so anyway it was there and it's not so Peter has actually done it for me twice uh, the first reason the first when it didn't download just seemed to be a glitch a ghost in the machine the second time it was because I was daft uh, or incompetent and I and I asked and I, I did mention that to Peter uh, and he said, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do it again. And I thought, oh, God, I was just hoping you'd have it on your phone and could re-upload it. Uh, and then time has run away and, and he hasn't been able to. Well, I don't know, he's probably forgotten, but you can only bother people so many times. Um, so uh, it, it may be that he sends me an email or something after I've recorded this and I'll just have to add it in the... Uh, in the uh, post-credit sequence because those of you that uh, stop Happy Times and Places as I'm reading out the credits oh the things you miss after the credits um, b besides the uh, the plugging of my Patreon page and various other things oh there's gold in them there hills so and John has done me a very nice job he's done me lovely sort of visuals to accompany uh, uh, his uh his 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 video thoughts uh so again they'll be worth checking out on uh uh on the youtube version of this which will come out several centuries after the audio because the audio is much easier put together and more of you listen to the audio than watch the videos and that's just uh the best use the best way i can marshal my time i'm so sorry so uh Happy times and places kill the men. So, oh, I need to choose my five favourite things. Well, um, you know, the base under siege stuff, you know, the aliens-y stuff, the enclosed space, shadows, you know, lights in their helmets, scuttling creatures, uh, or that whole that whole stuff. Uh, somehow very modern and yet somehow reminiscent of everything I think Doctor Who has always been, even though it actually hasn't. So just that whole thing, I love. I think that's great. Um, I love Peter Capaldi's sticking his head up, doing that wonderful speech, that accompanying music. Uh, so that yeah, the speech on the beach. Uh, well, it's a shame because I, I would like to choose that that piece of music as well as an individual bit, but um, it's sort of it's sort of wrapped up in all of in all of those things. Um, I think I think I think uh, that I, I think the <laughs> I think the line about <laughs> Courtney being thirty five I just think is really funny, <laughs> and 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 that to me is as I say when the sort of spiky slightly like alien and detached Doctor of this era works very much at his best where it's used for great comic effect, it still has the same, oh, he's, his mind doesn't quite work the same as ours, and he's not quite on our wavelength, but also, but it does it in a witty and enjoyable way. Um, uh, uh, I, I, I do like, 
I just think because it's food for thought and because it was very much of 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 the time, you know, the the throwing it open to the to the public, I think was was a you know very of the moment. It, it it throws up that moral dilemma if you come out of the episode and go, I'm still not sure whether I approve of them uh, overriding the decision of the majority. Is that you know is you know is is that morally the right stamp do you go well actually no people are wrong people are uninformed they've made the wrong decision they're 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 guided by the wrong motives but then what does that make you and, and i'm fascinated by that idea of uh imposed liberalism which is of course an oxymoron um uh and i i find that a fascinating uh subject and i and i think you know this the story raises that and it doesn't necessarily have an answer to it but i think it really makes you think about it um and the argument in the tardis at the end i think is terrific oh but then what about i wanted to say tony sober i wanted to say hermione norris who i think is great but it's obvious for me to choose actors now obviously these two probably now because both of them know me will now go and of course Toby about to choose an actor so Hermione Norris and then I'll feel guilty for not choosing her I feel even more guilty if uh, Peter goes and Tony is sober being and it was the best thing that ever happened to me and I told him that and he was really happy and <laughs> but uh, I think that I think the argument in the TARDIS is very nicely written and I think it's brilliantly acted so those are the things. The speech on the beach, the base under CG, blah, 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 the line about her being 35, uh, uh, the, the, the whole you know dilemma of trusting the public uh, and the argument in the TARDIS. With honourable mentions, I like the fact that Courtney got to, you know, worked out how to kill the spider because she realised that her, you know, the, the disinfectant would act on it because it's not a spider, it's a you know it's a virus or whatever um it's a it's bacteria um and an honorable mention to hermione norris slash the guest cast because uh, they're both things i enjoyed as well so let's see how close we are oh, and then the moon surface too i love the, the the depiction of the moon surface so a lot's in there lots in there uh i wonder if i'm Am I going to retract the the phoning in and replacing it for something else? Because I'm still not sure how I feel about that. But isn't that isn't that the whole point that it's made me think and it makes me wrestle with that so that I do like it? Oh, yeah, we'll leave it at that. I'm, I'm not going to win anyway, so there's no point wasting time trying to. So, um, what's John's first thing? Well, I hope you all enjoyed. Uh, the episode and if it's something that you have watched before and haven't enjoyed it I hope some of Toby's comments gave you a, a new sense of appreciation uh, for it as well uh, my first favourite thing about Kill the Moon is um, the stupid dancing <laughs> that oh, yes. the Doctor does uh, when he first when he first meets the crew on the moon um, 
there's lots of uh, little lighter moments in 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 the early in early exchanges in this episode. The Doctor not you know, not understanding children or the the JNT meta joke, um, uh, but I think it, it builds nicely with um, the use of the the yo-yo as a as a gravity check and the Tom Baker references uh, Tom Baker references there to having the Doctor talk about something like yeah killing children. Uh, in the order in which you know, will kill them, all the while doing sort of stupid moves uh, and dances while he you know, does the very serious thing of essentially taking gravity readings. Uh, and, and it's played and written and performed uh, perfectly. And uh, it brings home that, that Capaldi is, is the Doctor. Uh, so in that um, wonderfully incongruous way, my first favourite thing about Kill the Moon is the Doctor doing the stupid moving slash dancing while talking about generally horrific things. Yeah, now you see, I think I was gassing on about how I knew Peter Arnest and making it very much about me. Uh, and I, 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 was, I was looking at that and going, oh, I should be talking about this because I'd forgot it is a really, really good moment. Uh, and it also, it speaks to the rest of the episode as well because uh, of the things that he's talking about. Uh, and I missed it to give you context um or so uh, yeah that's a great thing about kill the moon and a bad thing about me and this um so yeah good choice john now do i why don't i now choose one of peter's things although of course there's no reason why their favorite things should be in the same order but what is peter's number one thing number one jenna coleman i think jenna coleman is a fantastic actress. I think that people noticed that um, after she'd been on the show a little time and that she was given increasingly challenging and exciting things to do. And I think all of that is beginning to flower um, by the time she gets together with uh, Capaldi's Doctor. She's got a lot of different things to do in this episode. She's got a lot of big scenes to carry um, and she carries them all fantastically. Um, I think uh, I think it's a brilliant performance, and I think that uh, uh, perhaps I'm biased, but uh, but I don't care if I am. She's uh, she becomes uh, one of the best companions the the Doctor's had, I think, and uh, that relationship between the two of them, um, I think, will be seen as a, as a classic relationship. Um, I think she's incredibly powerful here. Um, I love uh, the character of Clara and I love uh, Jenna's performance. Yeah, she is. She's absolutely brilliant. And it's interesting. I need to stop saying interesting. Um, because I was also very amused when, you know, the nation all went, oh, blooming Clara, when she appears at the end of uh, Capaldi's time in Twice Upon a Time. So what happened there? Um because I remember being quite amused, rather than rushing to her defence, of being quite amused that that was the public or Doctor Who fans' reaction. Because um, I suppose it is quite funny um, that that's not ex not what was being uh, aimed for, but what was, uh, um, and that there must therefore be some element of truth in it. Did she overstay her welcome? Did they do? Did they not write her out correctly? I don't know because. In isolation there, and and thinking back to how I felt at the time, um, it's an absolutely brilliant performance. She is really good. She's a really good character. She's got a great dynamic with the Doctor. So I wonder what went wrong. 
Um, I mean, I wasn't a oh bloody Clara when she uh, appeared at the end of Twice Upon a Time, but I I could see what I, I, I it amused that response amused me. So I was sympathetic to it in a way, although it, even though it's not in my uh, uh, you know way of thinking to be like that. Uh, so because yeah, anyway, she is great in in that episode and. Uh, and as Peter says, she rises to the challenge. She gets a lot of emotional heft to do, but she's also really perky and really funny. Uh, and she holds her own. She's terrific. Great casting. Um, okay, John's number two. My second favourite thing about Kill the Moon uh, is that it's a, it's a bit Doctor Who does horror properly. Uh, good tea time terror for t- maybe not for tots but it's a younger tots but it's it's good and scary uh and and fun i know uh peter harness was apparently told by stephen moffat to uh lift the hell out of uh out, out, out of the episode and and i think he and I, I i think i think he succeeds um it's you know it's just it's a shame we lose the supporting cast uh fairly fairly early on particularly if you Enjoy spotting Tony Asoba in, in, his, in his previous stories, but you know, you've not got much time and you, you work, you work, you work with what you've got. Um, I wonder if Peter Harness has seen um, Apollo, Apollo 18, uh, a slightly um, flat um, uh, found footage horror film with uh, set on the moon and previously um, unreleased recordings of. Uh, of an Apollo mission that uh, that, that, that that NASA that NASA denies, um, nothing particularly plot-wise is stolen, but it does concern spider creatures on the moon, uh, and that particular image that you have when you see all the spiders moving uh, towards the base. I wondered if uh, Peter Harnison had seen that and thought that's that's a good that's a good image. I can make something with that image. I can I can I can build. A Doctor Who story that contains that, can, that contains that image. So if you have been told to Hinchliffe or indeed Holmes the hell out of uh, out of an episode, it's good to have a, a a good idea that you can yeah frankly nick do something with, give it run it through the Doctor Who ringer uh, and make something very very good out of it. So my second favorite thing um, is is it's a proper it's a proper horror story uh, and all and all the better for it. Um, yeah, I think I will allow myself a point for that because that's sort of what I alluded to with the shadows and the lights and the base under siege and all of that. I'm going to allow myself. And also that that enabled me to gather my thoughts because I was desperate to talk about this pro-life element. I think I might have been talking to my son about it and I said, oh, my friend wrote that episode. And I said, well, you know, I said, I like that episode, but some fans don't. And this is why. And he, and it was my son, I'm sure, that said, oh, but ah, that's that's the episode that um, some people at school were saying is pro-life. And I went, oh, explain that. Because, of course, um, uh, uh, Lundvik is going to abort the baby, basically, isn't she? She's going to you know so yes of course it can be I don't know why I struggled to think of this I think it's because I'm watching and broadcasting and thinking at the same time and I sometimes I can't do three things at once I'm sorry everybody uh, it's going to take me a while to catch up but um and, and because I'm not as familiar with these episodes as as the ones I've seen a hundred million times and could tell you uh you know what uh, the third guard on the left's favorite football team is um but anyway, I've got there eventually. Of course, 
it's pro the, the the reading that it is pro life is that Lundwick wants to abort the baby dragon in order uh, that everybody around it has a chance of survival slash life whatever uh, and the story says no 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 don't kill the unborn child uh, because that would be bad and look that the child is born and everything's fine anyway and a reading of that could be that it is anti-abortion um yeah you yes i that is i can see that as a perfectly legitimate reading um but i just sort of read it as pro-life in that it is pro-life it is about giving life a chance now the abortion argument is is slightly difficult and i feel sort of awkward um proselytizing too much because uh, uh, i'm a man um but the reason i didn't perhaps see this as as uh, as as you know close parallels to the issue of abortion in our society as we have it at the moment and it's a much bigger issue in america uh, than it is that it is here i think the you know the 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 the, the, the pro life voices in in the uk are very much seen on the fringes but i know it's a much livelier um debate in ireland and in and in the states but of course that because it it becomes the, the argument about a woman's autonomy over her own body and um that i don't see as as you know getting anything in uh in in the way of the storytelling of 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 kill the moon so therefore it's it's even though it's a very very similar set of circumstances in many ways i.e. do we let this do we do we stop this creature being born and is that okay to do that um the moon is not inside a woman's body so therefore there's not another person's you know physical um autonomy to 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 override if you like which is a big part of the abortion debate that that there's no sort of equivalence of in kill the moon but i can see why some people may see it as as being um pro-life i've never discussed that with peter i wonder if he'll have something interesting to say about it but also um you know i'm a terribly liberal i i i i can understand uh uh where um some of the pro-life you know and and, uh, because a lot of it gets dressed you know talked about in very religious terms which i know is a big turn off for atheists and i'm 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 an atheist myself but you know the the argument about what state a fetus is in at at the point where it can still be aborted i think is 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 one we don't we don't particularly like to have um that that you know i i can understand you know where the, the people making that argument are coming from even though my default is to go you know you you can't have the state tell a woman what to do with her body but then i can understand people who go well we shouldn't have the state allowing something that doesn't that that can't defend itself uh but you know um be allowed to continue to to to, to which if uninterrupted would definitely result in a life it's a it's a really it's a really tricky one. So again, that that that, that it's a story that uh, provokes that sort of debate, even if it takes me a while to formulate what I'm saying about it. And I've been very kind of slow on the uptake with 
um uh i i still think yeah that's uh, <laughs> fertile uh, fertile ground but i had not i have i did not i've seen it you know i've seen it a few times and i've thought about the episode but the 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 sort of pro life or not aspect did, did does not uh, leap out to me in the way that it, it clearly does to, to to others um uh what's peter's peter's number 2 thing number 2 is the character of Courtney Woods as played by Ellis George um i remember reading the caretaker and i was after that kind of character for uh, for kill the moon i thought uh, clara should take um, one of her pupils with her and so I asked if I could borrow Courtney because um, she was so interesting in uh, in that episode and I think she's lovely in this as a kind of mini companion um, I think uh, Ellis George uh, plays her in a very tender and believable and funny way um, and she really uh, takes her place as um, one of the lead characters um, and I did write her, in fact, to come back in the in the Zygon short story um, and uh, explain why, deservedly, in my opinion, she later goes on to become president of the United States. Um, sadly, we lost that for, uh, for reasons of time, um, but maybe I'll explain it one day. Uh, but I think she really uh, she really earns her place uh, in this episode, putting things on Tumblr, which uh, uh, um, Hermione Norris's grandmother clearly used and um, went out of fashion as quickly as um, we thought it might do um, and uh, you know asking the doctor if he's got any games I love that the the interplay between um, between Peter Capaldi and uh, and Courtney I, I think she's a lovely character so Courtney Woods, number two. Yeah, and and I think Peter puts that very well. And and I think I alluded to it is that I, I mean, as a as an adult, I think I I automatically take a step back from um, sort of younger characters who are uh, audience identifiers, just because I'm getting old and I've got kids and I don't need kids to teach me things because the all I have is that that that. I, 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 all I have over kids is that I know more than them, um, but I think that plays with that, and that's where that that lovely dynamic comes. And she does play the the part very well, and she's got some terrific lines, and she serves a very useful purpose in the story. So I wonder why she's sort of slightly forgotten about now, because I do think she's I'd, I'd kind of, you know, only really half remembered um, that she's you know she's in you know she she, she you know she she she's actually quite a, a, a major character not not just in one episode um and thanks for that insight peter that she was almost in the zygon one um she could always still come back of course um okay well i'm well i've got one of john's and none of peter's as we get to the halfway mark of my guests choices so this could be john's choice number three my third favorite thing uh, about kill the moon is Ellis George ah. as Courtney. Uh, not her first appearance and not the first time uh, a younger character uh, features in, in an episode of Doctor Who, but I don't think either have been better uh, than, than this moment. It's often a danger having a young actor, particularly a young character in Doctor Who. It's often the, uh, the scrappy-do uh, problem that, that they, they become annoying to a lot of the audience. 
thinking of Nile and Silver here. But anyway, this is a positive um, Doctor Who podcast. And Ellis George is brilliant as, 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 as Courtney, the person who genuinely um, wants to, you know, wants to learn, but on her, but on her terms. Um, both the Doctor and Clara have to uh, have to understand the world through her eyes. Uh, it's impossible um, how you you know you would react in such a such a fantastical situation. Um, but so much of Doctor Who is like that, and I think she does it incredibly well. It's important that she's the first one to kill one of the one of the spider creatures. You show you show the child literally destroying destroying stuff of nightmares, uh, and she's included in the. the terrible ramifications uh, for the decision at the end and despite the fact that you know lots of questionable reasons whether you get post-traumatic stress disorder from your your encounters if you were these characters in in, in in doctor who if you take it on its own terms as a, as as an, as an entertainment show i think this is the best example of uh as a character who is essentially a child uh being both being, being both excellent as a character in their own right and being perfectly played. So my third favourite thing about Kill the Moon is Ellis George as Courtney Woods. Ah, oh, now something's happened I hadn't anticipated is that John and Peter are choosing the same things. Oh no, wouldn't this be awful if it, if it turns out that they actually have more more in common? This is like Mr and Mrs, Mr and Mr and Mr. And I'm suddenly finding myself uh, well, well, it's Rita Sue and Bob too, but no, because they all got together. But anyway, I, I'm finding myself getting pushed onto the outside. Um, uh, wouldn't it be awesome, John and Peter sitting in a tree? K A S S I N G. So yeah, it could be that actually John, John and Peter uh, uh, have end up having more things in common in their choices than me. I now am regretting not choosing Ellis George, but that speaks. To interestingly, ah, uh, my own prejudices going into it, maybe, because I acknowledged that I thought she was great. I really like the fact that she's the first one to, to kill the spider bacteria things and through, you know, the application of intelligence. Uh, and, and you know, it's great. It's saying, you know, don't underestimate kids, empower kids, uh, you know, enable them to, um, you know, reach for the stars. Uh, even if that puts means putting them in mortal peril, you know all that great stuff that speaks to you know our first contact and experience with Doctor Who, and yet I never even considered choose. I nearly chose yes the moment where she killed the spider, but I never considered t choosing her. And I think, as I say, that speaks to to my own prejudice going in to it. Not that I don't like what she did, but I wouldn't. Uh, there was no way that I was going to choose her as a thing because there was some sort of mental block there because it's a it's a younger character which i think proves why it's important that we should try and do those things well because as john has suggested and and you know peter in in, in complimenting the actress alice george that actually yeah the, those we know how bad such characters can be and, and american sci-fi is littered with them so actually, when it's done so well and the writing is so nice and the banter and the interaction and what it makes the Doctor do and how Peter Capaldi acts in response and, and actually the the importance that she serves to the theme of the story and everything, uh, why didn't I choose her? Um, uh, yeah, because, yeah, because 
she could have she could have easily derailed it if she'd been done written and acted less well um so yeah i should have chosen ellis george and courtney and i didn't but it's too late now what is peter's third thing number three is the big punch-up between uh doctor who and clara at the end of the episode um I think that this season was an experiment in doing the kind of thing that they always wanted to do with um, with Colin Baker's Doctor, which is um, start him harsh and then gradually uh, strip away the layers um, until mellowing him. And I think that this probably works in a way that the that it didn't work with um, Colin Baker's Doctor because uh, I think a lot of effort went into planning it. And I think there was always going to be a pivot point between Clara and the Doctor when her response to his rather brusque and alien new persona um, uh, reached a crisis. And um, and it just so happened that, that it was uh, in Kill the Moon. And really, the episode is leading up to this scene at the end. Um, I think it's very nice that she tears a strip off the Doctor because he hasn't behaved very well. Um, when I watched it with my son this afternoon, he was horrified that the doctor chose to bugger off halfway through. Uh, and I think that that's a natural reaction to it. She calls him out on it. She calls him out on being patronising. She calls him out on not committing and not helping. And um, I think it's a pivot point in their relationship and it's a turning point for Capaldi's uh, doctor who begins to mellow from this point onwards and I think both Jenna and Peter play the scene brilliantly and um, I think it's uh, it's a really moving and um, intense uh, end to the episode so it's the punch-up at the end yeah well I chose that and I think that is really interesting about how um, you know it, it was all part of a plan and also that yeah the thing that the doctor does that appalls us and i've had a, got a couple of old school friends who say yeah but that's appalling that the doctor did that and you, you go yeah yeah and that's what the writer's saying it's not saying this is how doctors but the doctor shouldn't behave like that the writer's going yeah i know that that's the point of the story is that the doctor does behaves in a way that he shouldn't because uh, you know a character who always behaves in the way that they should will, will is surely predictable and uh uh and uh, and 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 boring um so it's not it's not a misunderstanding of the doctor it's a deliberate placing of the doctor into a situation that he 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 calls wrongly and that's that's very interesting and it leads to that scene which is brilliant and i remember watching it at the time going oh i've never seen anything quite so real i don't think um you know sort of you know as a, as a sort of coda to a story that really sucker punches the doctor and has real consequences for him because of the way that he's you know behaved to to get them to the conclusion where they've prospered and succeeded but 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 that the companion goes no you know she sends courtney out and there's sort of shuts the door and goes now you listen and i think that's so i think it's really well placed and and built up to as well uh, and yeah, as Peter says, it's, it's it's beautifully done by the pair of them. So that means I now have a, a foot in each camp. So we're back to Rita, Sue and Bob 2, which is n not 
something I'm very comfortable with when I've I've, I've started. Um, so now here's P uh, John's number four. My fourth favorite thing about Kill the Moon is reneging on on the decision by humanity uh, to to kill the creature. Um, the idea that the decision is too big and yeah, the doctor won't make it. It's too big for a non-human to make it. Um, and isn't Hermione Norris's Pratt brilliant <laughs> and he, he just buggers off and retarded halfway through. But that you get, you can't make it yourself. So you very quickly get, get the entire planet Earth to have a quick referendum. And it's not subtle that, um, Planet Earth has a referendum, and people look at it and go, "That decision's ridiculous. I'm not doing it. I'm doing, <laughs> I'm doing the doing the opposite because it's what I feel was right." But you didn't want to do that initially. You wanted you wanted to the responsibility to be to be shared amongst uh, amongst the population. But once you realize you disagree with that responsibility, you now have feel you have the power and the strength to ignore it and do what you think is right. Um, and that's a and that's that's a good positive uh, message for the climax of the of the Doctor Who story. Okay, then we have the moon is an egg, which which some people are really upset about, but because it's ridiculous and yes, yes, it is absolutely ridiculous. But if you want to pick holes in bits of Doctor Who because you think they're ridiculous, then you have no business in being in, in being a Doctor Who fan. So my fourth favorite thing about Kill the Moon is the idea that you make a decision based on what you believe is the right thing to do, no matter who you are, whether you're a school teacher or a schoolgirl or um, a space, a shuttle captain, uh, that even if you want to hive the decision off to a far greater number of people and you believe when it comes back that decision is wrong, you'll do with what you believe is what you believe is right. I think that's a very positive thing. Oh, I, I like John's articulation and reading of that which is better than mine i mused i think on the on the contradictions that that throws up john took it as a as an empowering and an enabling and indeed a just thing he you know he he, he took the end game of it and and uh, uh and and you know saw it through uh and i'm convinced by that so interestingly i've i i've put my uh, Opinion onto the shoulders of somebody else. He's he's clarified my opinion, shot it back to me, and I've agreed. So I've actually done the opposite <laughs> of what he says. Uh, but I, uh, in terms of what we're doing about this, um, but I just think because he explained it better than me, I think John and Peter are on slightly better form than me tonight. So uh, uh, I'm sorry about that, everybody, and indeed, kill the moon. So. Thank goodness for John and Peter, except we don't have Peter's fourth thing. It hasn't downloaded twice. So uh, where that leaves us, I don't know, um, because the rules of the game don't cover having the writer lobbying in observations from the side anyway. Uh, but, I mean, John chose the... Uh, John chose the, the basically the referendum and I chose that as food for thought. So I think John and I are, are standing at two all. So if John's last one is one of mine, I'm going to win this one, uh, which will make up for the fact that my 
commentary I think missed some vital points had a lot of beating around the bush and unformulated arguments and a lot of context and name dropping that probably wasn't much use to anybody I didn't think I was name dropping I, I thought I was being useful and insightful and informative but as I look back now I I I, I feel I I feel I did you a disservice um anyway uh john's fifth thing then and then we'll do peter's fifth thing or should we do peter's fifth thing we'll do peter's fifth thing because we heard from john last because that means we see what john does last last and that we'll see whether i've won or not so we didn't have a fourth thing from peter so i don't know what that is uh the, but the fifth thing from peter is number five it has to be the moon's an egg. The moon's <laughs> an egg. I love the way that he delivers that, um, <laughs> knowing how how silly it is, and knowing how desperately it's going to um, uh, annoy many people. Probably, um, the moon is an egg. It's fine. It's great. Why not? It's the funnest thing about the episode. The moon is an egg. Get over it. <laughs> and I do, because I, I do love Capaldi's delivery of that line, because it is quite meta. He is sort of daring you to go. I I think this is absurd, but I'm kind of, I'm kind of high on it as well. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad because that's cl clearly sort of what the, the, the writer is going, is going, look, this is batshit, but go with it. Come on. Uh, and I love the fact that Peter is, is not... Uh, apologetic about it um uh <laughs> the moon's an egg <laughs> so what so thank you to peter for his insights he really is a, a very fascinating and intelligent fellow but also a very very lovely man um and you know very kind of him to give his time and twice because he's had to go to a bit of effort to do these and they didn't quite work and bloody bloody blah, 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 blah um and he is a listener to this book. But I, as I said, I haven't been... No, in fact, I think I've actually been slightly harder on the episode um, because I was conscious of not wanting to suck up to him, um, uh, which is interesting. It's a, so there's a concern with me there going, oh, well, I don't want to be seen to be being obsequious, rather than just going, enjoy it, revel in enjoying it, and don't worry if, if people judge you for enjoying a thing but it's almost like you have to get a bit defensive going yeah i did i did enjoy that you don't have to well shouldn't have to defend oneself for enjoying something oh it's so funny and it's and this all talks back to that you know worrying about what other people think and throwing throwing your self-confidence into into the uh, into the you know it, it dependent on it being on on the the opinion of of others which it sh absolutely shouldn't at all it should there should be enough within yourself and that's you know that's all part of part of the lesson of of this episode and in fact i think of the essence of doctor who and it's clearly a lesson i still fail to live by or learn from in my everyday actions that's the eternal tragedy. <laughs> it's, it's not that you keep making the same mistakes. It's that you're aware of the mistakes that you make 
and then you keep making them and then you berate themselves for yourself because you know what mistake it was you were making so why do you still make it <laughs> oh dear um and that is more ridiculous the fact that one makes the same mistakes over and over again even though one knows what those mistakes are that is more ridiculous than the moon being an egg what's john's fifth thing let's see if i can win come on come on john choose one of the things i chose and my bonus thing about kill the moon uh is something that i don't think anyone will get or because it's um it's so very personal uh Kill the Moon's not the first two story I've seen for the first time abroad. That was um, that was the Rebel Flesh, which I saw in Barcelona, not the planet Barcelona, but the place Barcelona. But then I was just watching a a feed of BBC One, which they had on in the in the hotel. When I watched Kill the Moon, I was on my honeymoon in New England, and I was staying in um, Portland, Maine, at the time, and they had BBC America. So for the first time. I watched um, Doctor Who on BBC America and on an, a channel that isn't that isn't available in, in the UK. So I thought, yeah, how, I know American telly from what I've seen before could be fairly bad in the way it's presented, but how bad could BBC America be? It's BBC. Mm. Uh, it wasn't too bad for the first 20 minutes. There was no ad break for the first 20 minutes. But for the ne next 20 minutes, there was like, I counted five ad breaks. And including between, I think, the penultimate and the last ad break, there was like a five-minute Doctor Who file um, where they showed interviews with uh, Hermione Norris and Peter Capaldi before the episode had finished. Um, so I'm not quite sure that this sort of thing is allowed, but my bonus favourite thing uh, for Kill the Moon is uh, love, loving the BBC and not having to worry about adverts and for all the time as we moan about the BBC. And for all the times uh, that we get angry, that we believe it's biased against our point of view, um, I, I would be very, very, very sad to lose it uh, as it currently presents things. And yes, there's, it's all, I hate it too, with the, 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 uh, the cornering up of, of, of credits and the desperate you to watch, desperate you to watch the next show rather than appreciate those that have made the program that you've, you just watched or that you'd like to, you'd like to absorb and digest uh, the ramifications of the, of the drama you, you may have watched. Yes, there's all that wrong, but my God, what it could be is 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 so is is so so much better. So it made me very thankful that I'm able to watch Doctor Who uh, and indeed BBC programs in the way in the in the way that I could. Bit of an unusual one there, but it was a. It was a personal one that brought it home to me when I watched Doctor Who on BBC America for the first time. Um, yeah, well, no, funnily enough, I didn't get... <laughs> uh, I didn't choose as my favourite thing about Kill the Moon the fact that it, John watched it on his honeymoon. Ha, kill the honeymoon. Um, uh, and and that uh, in doing so, uh, he had to watch it the American way and appreciate the way that... Uh, we we get fed our media by the BBC. Actually, John's recording there was made before Nadine Dorries um, was made culture secretary. Which, uh, for those of you that, that that don't know, because maybe you're a listener not based in the UK, it's basically um, uh, like putting the bull in charge of the china shop, um, except you know at least the bull uh, you know can be let off not knowing what China is. Um, uh, and and the BBC is is under threat from people 
um, whose motives I think are disingenuous and uh, you can, as I do, as John suggests there, dislike much of the way that the BBC conducts itself. I think some of the biggest mistakes the BBC makes is is in actually trying to defer to those those who would want it to be run by market forces or those who are predisposed to be against it anyway. And I think they should do exactly the opposite. In fact, I think they should do what Clara and uh, Courtney uh, do in Kill the Moon, which is actually, if if they see that their critics are are, are wrong, is actually go, well, we, we, you know, we have the courage of our convictions because we are a public service broadcaster run by people uh, you know who are trained in the areas of 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 making quality television that's not necessarily um television that w you know is a slave to market forces and actually that's how you discover things that are unlikely successes because all of their ingredients would say they shouldn't work and yes they do yet they do that's when the magic happens and that can only happen if you're not constantly being driven by commercial concerns that's a different argument but i just think it's worth saying because um we have somebody now who i think has vested interests and uh in but because their allies who are who who political allies who i who whose motivations i am i am i do not trust to be perfectly frank um uh would like uh, to remove uh, a good quality competitor um and as a result we would get inferior e inferior product you know much of what it's odd that a lot of these people claim to be very patriotic and yet one of the the greatest things uh, and, and, and amongst the greatest entertainment that this country has been produced has been produced by uh, a, a body that they would like to do away with or sell down the river um, so again their claims of patriotism um, I find slightly disingenuous uh, uh, I think it's a patronism, patriotism um, that it, that is more due to um, a, a worshipping of, of, the, of, the, of the wallet of uh, certain individuals who would profit very much by the by the dismantling of the bbc but i don't think that would be to this country's cultural advantage and how many of our great tv series um, and great exports were not made um under a public broadcasting remit which which i think by the way that it is designed if it is used properly and as i say our big problems with the with much of how the BBC is run at the moment, but I think that's because they're misjudging how to how to justify themselves and what they stand for. Um, but the public service model, I think, produces m more interesting and good quality stuff than the than market forces do, um, because also the market can get skewed and is not the is not the even battleground that its advocates necessarily, uh, you, you know, characterise it as being. Uh, but no, I didn't get that because um, the bo it's not really a bonus thing, John. Uh, what it is is if it's a four-parter, you choose a thing from each episode and a bonus thing. But this isn't a four-parter. This is a new series episode where you just choose five things. But all right, accepted, accepted. Uh, now. He's he's done a lovely um, visual with some music uh, that uh, that will be used on the YouTube video. But I, I, I wonder if he's got a goodbye 
or anything else let's have a look um so thank you very much uh for your time and a quick plug on things I do. As I said at the beginning, I am a writer on TV and film. You can find some of my work um, in various BFI booklets uh, in, their, in their recently released Blu-rays. You can find um, in Tony Richardson's Mademoiselle, uh, David Green's I Start Counting, and uh, Short Sharp Shocks Volume Two. Um, so if you want to, to learn all about um, short films, very obscure uh, films that were shown uh, in the days when um, there was like uh, short, not just shorts before the main feature, but an entire pre-film um, you know, pre programme, then um, you'll find much to enjoy there. Um, I also, uh, again, as I said at the beginning, I co-host with my friend, the writer, Howard David Ingham, uh, Nigel Neal podcast, Birdcast. You can find that wherever you get your, wherever you get your podcasts, or you can just type in Birdcast and look at the website, which also has some, some viewing notes and some links. And we have, we have some very good guests, uh, including Toby, who's my first ever, uh, guest talking about the original iteration of the Great Mass Experiment. Uh, we've also had people like Stephen Volk and Samir Ahmed and Mark Gatiss, uh, either talking about a Nigel Neal production or about uh, a writer who talks about the influence of Nigel Neal on, on, on their career. Uh, I also do a, um, another podcast on the Italian subgenre Giallo uh, with my friend Dave Thomas called Due Signore in Giallo. Um, in which he curates a selection of, of Jello films chronologically listed, and I go through and ask questions very much like a Doctor Who companion, like, why is there not a plot? This is a bit problematic, isn't it? And do we have to keep uh, cutting back to the bloke having his face ripped off by rocks as he falls off a cliff? So if you're interested in that, you can, you can check that out as well. Uh, I have a blog, uh, viewsfromahill.com uh, where I write and I've also written for Horrified magazine uh, Curious British Television and um, some pieces on Play for Today for Royal Holloway's Forgotten Television Project's uh, 50th anniversary for Play for Today which was out which was out last year so um, I hope there's some interest in that and um, thank you very much for having me it's, uh, it's lovely to be involved in, in, in these podcasts they're they're a real oasis in the, in the in the lockdown desert, and I hope that once things return to whatever normality may look like post post pandemic, uh, they still continue as uh, they've been a they've been a real boon for me, and I know for I know for so many. Um, so thank you, Toby, and for everyone at home for listening or watching, and um, happy times and places. Oh, bless you, John. Well, actually, you weren't to know because uh, the schedule for these is decided fairly arbitrarily. But um, uh, this is recorded just as we're sort of emerging out of lockdown. In fact, I have just been for my first meal in a restaurant in two years. Because uh, my partner is still shielding, but she's actually away uh, this week. Um so I can afford to, you know, go out and uh, be amongst the great unwashed without um, potentially infecting 
coming back and infecting her. Obviously, I've taken precautions so as not to infect myself either. But I have to be double, double careful with her because she's still very vulnerable. How, how so? But anyway, um, so John was recording that at the height of lockdown. Um, but we've proved that uh, life finds a way. There are other challenges right now. And, and, and uh, I'm sure challenges will continue to be thrown at us, which is uh, why I will persist with, you know, whatever value this has. If you're listening, hopefully you find this uh, at best dive, at best interesting and fun uh, and at worst, you know, diverting uh, or, you know, uh, a, a reason to just be grateful. You're not as bad as the guy that presents that cloying name dropping uh, uh often non-secretor filled sequitur not secretor there's no secretors either it's not a gardening podcast but you know what i mean anyway uh, 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 um yeah um we're so we're yeah we're coming out of lockdown uh but uh, i hope i hope john hasn't had to wait too long to hear his uh, contribution um, as I've got a lot of these, you know, the, the contributions from guests in the can, and I tend to just sort of choose the stories based on either what I fancy or I try and mix up the doctors at the very least. But with this one, I waited because because uh, uh, we we're going to see if uh, if uh, we could complete um, Peter's contribution. And it may be that uh, in the show description, I because I, I you know I will still see see and talk to Peter and it may be that I get to discover what his number four thing is so then I may re-edit this or add something to the end or or just put it in the show description I think you'll find 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 Peter Harness is at my house and he's going to tell me what the fourth thing is my fourth thing is when they turn all the lights off because it's uh, it's really uh, I, I like it and it's about kind of uh, democracy and that isn't it and um, and uh, Stephen thought it was really good because it was very impactful and very cheap. So that's that mystery solved. Thanks, Peter. <laughs> <laughs> so that was nice, wasn't it? Thanks to Peter. Um, so at last minute, I was literally due to release this in about five days and Peter happened to be passing through and we caught up, do you know what I mean? Um, and then I, I just as he was going, I went, uh, actually, c- can we have thing four now? Uh, I, <laughs> so that was thing four, which was the lights going out. Now, John chose reneging on the public vote. I chose throwing it open to the public. I don't think either of those are quite all the lights going out, are they? Peter specifically chose it because of the the you know the effect and what it did and and of course uh Stephen Moffat's um you know descriptor of it as being you know effective and cheap so I don't think that gives either of us uh an extra point in which case uh well we both John and I have one of Peter's things uh and also I have I still have two of two of john's so that hasn't that hasn't helped me at all but anyway it's nice for completeness's sake isn't it i think you'll find thanks to peter harness writer of the episode we've been discussing thanks to john Deere, who is a lovely fellow who's yeah whose podcast 
his crazy mass podcast is great uh and uh do seek out his other stuff he's and he's really working hard to uh get the uh get the work of nigel neal out there and appreciated in the way that it should be um so thanks to them both i like them both very much and i hope you liked meeting them via this podcast thank you very much for listening and uh, i shall speak to you in the next of these happy times and places Thank you so much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest this time around was John Deere, who can be found on Twitter at According to John D. According to John D. John Deere, J O N, by the way. And he's also got a podcast called Bergcast, which is on Twitter at Bergcast Calling. B E R G Cast Calling. I'd like to thank my patrons, too, who include John and, indeed, this episode's other contributor, the mighty Peter Harness. Lovely fellows, both. And thanks to them, as well as the patrons I'm about to name. Stephen White, Andrew Wilson, Andrew Willis, Michael Williams, Rich Wiggins, Adam Westwood, Gary Wales, Apollo C. Vermouth, Reynard Toombs, Sabrina Tillabassi, Nick Temple, Neil Tate and Len Stewart. The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. Cut it a bit fine with that music, don't I? But it's because I want to mention the patrons, to whom I am very, very grateful indeed. They really do help. I'm self-employed, and uh, you know the patronage enables me to spend a bit of time to do these properly. You know, retake mistakes, and you know, uh, try and uh, make sure that everything's of sort of broadcast quality and that sort of thing. I mean, in um, terms of technical stuff. In terms of the content, I'm afraid you're just stuck with me wittering on, um, which I'm not sure anybody would broadcast, which is why it has to be a podcast. But hey, those people who are kind enough to support have done so at patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock, where for as little as £3 a month, they get, well, they get named on the podcasts. Uh, they also get bonus material, advanced releases. They will have heard this particular episode of Happy Times and Places Ooh, six months before you if you are a non-patron and they get earlier releases of the Too Much Information podcasts and the Indefinable Magic ones as well and they also get an exclusive podcast called Far Too Much Information which has even more arcana than Too Much Information and that's as I say on my Patreon page £3 a month is the lowest tier they do go up and there are other goodies as the increments rise but most things are available uh, at the lowest tier i couldn't bear to deny people things so uh, and that lowest tier can even get 10 percent off it all the tiers can if you sign up for a year in one go uh, there's a 10 percent discount but i understand that that could be really daunting just you know committing to a monthly thing uh, as times get increasingly tough i understand that uh, i do have a ko-fi page ko-fi.com forward slash toby Haydock for the occasional one-off payment uh, as and when you can do that if you feel so inclined but as i say i know times are tough and they're getting tougher for everybody so i'm just grateful to you well for listening uh, and for being there it's nice to talk to you um, and do you know uh, comment along on Twitter, say hello, all that sort of stuff. But if you do enjoy them, I'd be grateful if you could go to iTunes or to Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts and give me a, a much-needed five-star rating. That really helps with the passing trade uh, and a few lines of review so that uh, people wandering past get an idea of what these are about and what it is you like about them, if uh, like them you do, and I hope you do. 
um, that would be really, really helpful. And uh, it just helps to separate me from the crowd. And there is a big crowd of Doctor Who related podcasts and, you know, some really good stuff out there. So any help is much appreciated. I'm just looking at the timer. This is this is an hour and 50 minutes long. How the hell have I... The episode's only 42 minutes. How the hell have I got an extra hours? Chitter-chatter. God, you're patient. Well, thanks. Uh, I'm also a comedian and have a comedy club called Excess Malarkey at Excess Malarkey, which is in Manchester. And it's on every Tuesday at 8pm at the Breadshed in Manchester, Excess Malarkey Comedy Club. It's award-winning. It's been going for 24 years. And it also has an online presence at Twitch dot tv forward slash excess malarkey that is where we get our monthly show out there on the first sunday of every month at 8 p.m and there's an archive of past performances of all the brilliant comedians we've had at excess malarkey uh, i think you've had plenty i don't think you need a post credits bit there's <laughs> Otherwise, we'll be here forever and some of you will literally die of old age listening to this. So go away. But, you know, nicely, I'm not I'm not being mean. I'm grateful to you for listening and being there. But yeah, sod off in the nicest possible way. <laughs>